Hi, Nate. Hey, Tom. Do you know why my waifu is the square root of negative 100? Because she's an imaginary 10. It's the first time I got it. (laughs) (laughs) She's a perfect 10. But yes, sadly, imaginary. (laughs) Yeah, okay. Welcome to the retort. We kind of have two major things to update today, both of which I wrote out, wrote up on the, the blog, bring back the old, old internet still. We're going to talk about Olmo, which is Alan AI's open model, language model, what it means to be actually open. All that normal stuff, but I'll get fired up. I'm also a little tired, but that's good. And then we're going to talk about the waifu research department. Some of y'all might have heard about model merging, and we're going to talk about anime and the dark side of AI. Not that the people are necessarily dark, but it's not the it's the side of the coin that is not illuminated, so to say. People don't look at it. And the Waifu Research Department is a literal hugging face work that you can find. That's not just a fun title that I came up with. That is a, a like something that's been around for years, has 150 members on Hugging Face. That's that's more maybe more people than the company employs. You know? It's, it's a real thing. Weird times. We have a sneak peek for the loyal listeners of the retort at the end. There are some opportunities to provide feedback. So we'll see where this winding road takes us. Tom, do you know what an LLM is? I know what an LLM is. Yes. Okay, that's good. So essentially, OLMO, which stands for Open Language Model, is a just our AI2's branding of what happens when you release a pre-trained language model with so many artifacts you can't keep track of them. So like the code, data, intermediate checkpoints when you're training it. So like the the half-baked models are all released. An actual paper that's not like science washing like some of the other places do. Like Mistral's papers are kind of silly. Like everything in between and the actual data is the biggest one there's some the license is permissive in the models so pretty much everything is out there and the performance of the models is similar to llama 2 i think there's a lot of technical details you can go into about like scaling laws so scaling laws are generally thought about parameters when people think about them but if you go to the chinchilla paper it's actually that like the product of parameters times the amount of data to Olmo is like roughly state of the art for the models that we know the amount of data that it is at 7 billion parameters we're working on bigger models that's not here yet but it's like people will compare it to Mistral so Mistral is a popular 7 billion parameter model but we don't know how many tokens it was trained on so it's like kind of in a way it's like comparing to a model that you don't know how many parameters it has but we do know it's just like this is where the conversation is going to go this year is that like per token efficiency and how many tokens they actually ram through this model actually matters because then you could get some some alpha on who actually has the most efficient training processes so we didn't compare to mistral in the paper which is one of the interesting things but we're just trying to make noise about things being actually open. The people who have done this in the past are like Eleuther AI and Hugging Face. So Eleuther had this kind of 
wasn't Hugging Face, actually. It's Big Science, which Hugging Face was a part of. Luther had these Pythia models that they released, I think, last year or 2020, end of 2022, which is like a scaling laws. So there's models from like 500 million to a billion, 2 billion, 6 billion, 10 billion. But those models were only trained for 300 billion tokens. And like Llama 2 is 2 trillion tokens and Olmo is 2.5 trillion tokens. So if you're going to actually sit down and use the model, it's like using Pythia is way harder than it is to use Llama. They're all kind of technical details, but I think the thing that matters, like it's like a vibe thing. It's like AI two is like waking up. It's like okay, we're not going to be as much of just grumpy academics anymore. We have to like be like they're actually shipping things, which I'm entwined with this, so I'm excited about shipping things. But it's not like there's much bigger things than be just being there at stake. So what is the op- so openness as? A kind of actually moving the ball down the field versus openness as a vibe. Where does this fit in? Yeah, so like th- this is this is so funny because like the AI two line is that we're doing the science of LLMs, which in the announcement blog post was not well like, articulated. People are like, we're doing the science of LLMs. I mean, like get down to it. It's like, what is that? What the hell does that mean? Like, is that a new subfield? Like, do I get to be in the Department of Science of LLMs when I'm a little professor? But it's really like, what types of studies need to be done to understand what's happening in these scaled models and these scaled systems? So, like, answer questions about data ablations, like this book's three data set and stuff like that. So, it's trying to build tools where scientists can actually do this. Funnily enough. Mm-hmm. The title of the paper, I didn't have a part of this. Like, to show, like, like AI2 is a wonderful org because, like, they ended up titling the paper Olmo, Accelerating the Science of LLMs. And I think they just didn't realize that accelerating yeah. is kind of a political <laughs> a science like, word. That's a, a bit of a trigger word. <laughs> like, everyone there was, like, going to avoid saying safety or, like, anything on, like, alignment or anything. But we ended up putting acceleration in our first title. I was like, this is so funny. They had no idea. And then, like, it's funny. The- is is like why why wouldn't I would think that the more neutral way of saying something like the same thing would be like spinning up. Yeah, I think it would be. It's because someone had started doing democratizing, and then I started going on my whole rant about like we're not democratizing anything. Like, what the hell are we democratizing? Like, we literally didn't listen to anyone in this process. And I like that. I like that the replacement <laughs> word for democratizing is accelerating. <laughs> it says the, the meta of it lot. is really funny. But there were other things in between, and we were trying to talk about framework. Like, at one point, the title had, like, the word framework in it. The title was, it's rough, because we're trying to sell the fact that AI, you could do any step of the language modeling process with these tools that we've built. So there's a lot of tools out there. I'll happy to point any listeners in directions of things. But, like, it's trying to balance the fact that we're releasing models and that we, like, build tools. And that's how you yeah. get in a trap of a title game. Like, the titles are ridiculous. I also learned from one of my blog followers that I was on the data set paper. I didn't even know I was on this paper, which is hilarious. Someone was like, congrats on this. And I was like, sweet, <laughs> on another paper. <laughs> I was like, shit, I have to go read this now and provide feedback. It's a hard life, but it's just like... But I, I do think AI2 will have more of a part to play. And it'll just kind of be more apparent throughout the year. It's, it's the new direction and the leadership are very good in terms of just like engagement on the ground and that trickles down like all the sayings about employees mirror their leaders is very true like the things that the leaders value will almost always trickle down 
Because whether or not people want to please their managers and their skip managers, like it's such an Amer- part of American culture to do that. Mm-hmm. And, and people don't think about that enough, but it's true. I accept it. I think it's easier in this a, case because they're like... Is that a contrast with Hugging Face that you're drawing out or... I mean, there's different goals. Here, the goal is to like release models and like be vocal and enact change. At Hugging Face, the goals was to probably build the business and be vocal. It enacting change at a different weight. Okay. So, I definitely mm-hmm. would benefit from building the business, but when you take the like vector there, they're not exactly aligned. And it's kind of like a, it probably is like a dot product thing where it's like. Or something that is like the energy that you get from being aligned is more than just like a linear relationship. It's like when you are aligned, you get like a multiplicative relationship in terms of picking the right organization for your job. Like when you feel alignment with everyone, you're going to be way more motivated than if you feel partial. Like the difference between partial and full alignment is huge when you have a job. And it's fine to have a this is probably why a lot of people like founding companies. We can we can digress into your story a bit, but like when you found your own company, your incentives are totally aligned, so you're just locked in, and it probably feels really fun, even though it's stressful. It's yeah. To, to maybe a brief segue there. Yeah, I, my dabbling into the world of being a founder and exploring what it means to be a founder and actually founding things is. It's 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 an interestingly spiritual journey. I mean, I I maybe feel like I should have realized that going in, but it's really in many ways more of an inward journey. It sounds weird to say it because you're actually constantly externalizing all the time. You're trying to manifest. The irony, of course, is that what you're externalizing is what's inside of you. <laughs> it's the essence of what drives you. And so it really requires this attunement to your own kind of unconscious it's actually interesting i i wasn't going to mention this but i i guess i'm comfortable doing it that i'm doing kind of my escapades into that world at the same time that i've actually been undergoing personally been doing psychoanalysis for the past two years or so coming up on two years so i moved to new york originally for a postdoc at cornell tech and kind of in honesty i think partly just out of curiosity maybe even in part as a joke, but also a plurality of the reason was out of a sincere desire to try it. New York is also famous as the kind of one of the global headquarters for psychoanalysis and and certain like rarefied strands of the therapy tradition. So I've been doing like Jungian psychoanalysis for the past past two years. And yeah, so anyway, it turns out that the experience of trying to manifest a a company or a, a new kind of entity is very similar to the process of leaving the Shire and going to Mount Doom and trying to figure out what that means and building a fellowship to go with you. <laughs> and there's trials and tribulations along the way. Yeah, um, it's kind of a constant is, mess. Yeah. I mean, I, I relate because anyone that's like around, is around when I'm doing now normal things like publishing blogs, like it still is a like, it feels vulnerable every time you do it, even if you're doing it once a week or more. And like anything that you have to expose yourself and your ideas to, in order to have greater impact on the things you ought to build, you are going to expose them to greater criticism. You're not able to just distribute without potential critique. 
the way I would put it is you are so you have to be so committed to what you're trying to build and to your vision that you're actually more committed to that vision than to your own ego. And the reason that's important is that your own ego is precisely the thing that is being stretched. It's being tested. It's going to change. I don't mean ego in a kind of, I don't mean that in an egocentric way, in a kind of like, I'm more important than other people kind of way. I mean it literally in the sense of your ego is how you consciously identify yourself as yourself. That is the thing that you are sacrificing on the altar of what is possible to enact your vision. And so it may end up being that to enact your vision, your ego has to fundamentally change. That's the different kind of alchemy. That's actually what Jung meant by alchemy, is that alchemy refers to the psyche, the makeup of the self, and the relationship that ego has to the unconscious. And so Jung considered himself, I believe, a kind of practitioner and student of alchemy, not because he liked it and thought it was better than chemistry, but because he thought that the alchemists were actually trying to understand that spiritual composition and that makeup and explore it on its own terms. And it turns out that to manifest something in the world that's new, a new kind of energy and a new kind of vision for what could be built and why that matters means either that your vision itself is fundamentally tested against what's possible in the world or to see it through, you have to kind of sacrifice yourself there's a kind of a, a realization that you are going to pursue one path rather than others, and you have to become someone who is a source of value rather than is someone who is being paid for providing yeah. value to somebody else. And yeah. that's an alchemical transformation. That's not just an economic transformation, or it's not even just a psychological transformation. It's kind of a spiritual transformation. And... Uh, yeah, that is scary, but it, it is also exciting. Yeah, I mean, I agree totally with what you've said. I've feel, been on this track for probably a couple of years, and it takes different flavors, and I kind of expect it to be a constant thing until you, it, it's just kind of what life is. The last comment on the bottle, just to put a soundbite in there, essentially, Olmo is probably the first time that a, a state-of-the-art model at any size class. So like, this is not that big of a model. It's not this similar to GPT-4 or anything like this, but it's probably yeah. the first time that a size class of LLM that people care about is open source and it's like state-of-the-art. So it's probably, this is not the model that people are going to be fine-tuning because Mistral is still better because it had so many more tokens of data pushed through it. But it's in the ballpark and the fact that the data and the training code are available for something in the ballpark hasn't been true I, for a very long time. My estimate was like since before GPT-2, GPT which is just when like people are just getting started. So everything was just in the open. So even though you have to like put some asterisks on that statement, I think it gets a lot of cross about what is trying to be done. And then because science will make everyone be able to be involved in this so there are many more people outside of ai too that hopefully will use these tools and help us learn about the dire evils of chat gpt <laughs> i was going to ask you about that or push on that point so this relates to actually like a work in progress uh paper that i have with some kind of political economy legal scholar type people who became interested in how when you chart the growth of OpenAI, 
so again, we've kind of regaled our listeners with this before. You and I were kind of in grad school in parallel to in the East Bay, what was happening in San Francisco with OpenAI, where it was going from like just like a handful of people to now becoming a completely different kind of monster. Over the critical course of OpenAI's growth, there's this movement, you know, you have GPT-2, GPT-3, GPT-3.5, and then it continues. And there are these critical moments in that trajectory where at the same time the models got bigger and more capable, they also intentionally became more closed, intentionally became gatekeeped in either successively increasing ways or just qualitatively different ways over time. And so there seems to be this interesting, and you see this tension with other companies and organizations now too. I would now say based off of what you're describing, AI too is now sort of telling a different version of that story where that company's culture is kind of changing in a way that's also trying to, they're trying to syncopate that with releasing a model that's also more open, right? And so I think there's this interesting relationship between... Yeah, I mean, it's the, a non-profit, just so everyone knows. Like, they, but some people might not know that. Oh, like, it makes it a lot easier <laughs> when essentially the equation is you give yeah. us money, we give you good PR. <laughs> like, like that's what a nonprofit is in many ways. Or like, it, it, I guess for government funding, it's a little different. It's like, you give us money, we give you knowledge. And like, it's a very different funding structure than like mystery men that funded OpenAI. Like, yes, mm-hmm. a lot of the money still comes from an estate, but I would guess that the Paul Allen estate is managed in a very different way than the people who gave OpenAI their money. So I just, I kind of want to flag this as something that I expect we'll return to again and again, which like this interesting way in which the kind of flavor or quality and capabilities of these models as they are released does seem to be isomorphic with the culture of the organization that's that's building. Oh yeah, that is not surprising. That is definitely true. And like, I mean, Meta has a long history of open source and, and before they got into AI, that's, that's what's something that's deeply ingrained in, in Meta's culture. And Google Google does some, but not as they never did as much as Meta. They had a big research focus. I think like all the things we're seeing are not too surprising. Yeah, <laughs> it seems important for like how we continue to think about things like scaling laws and the way those things play out, and whether or not that's actually logarithmic. Which is to say, is it actually something scalar, or are we dealing with something that? has very strong, precise vectors, some of which are the org that built it and the rules by which that organization can get funding, get investment, what kind of exchange takes place. You described an interesting one in the open source community or in the nonprofit space between money and PR that doesn't exist for other orgs. And I think that's going to be a live wire. It already is a live wire, but it's something that needs, I think you'll need to think about it more. Yeah, I don't really have a ton to add. I mean, models get released a lot these days. This is like, yeah, the true. openness is like kind of, a, it's like have vibes. There's so much to it that it's vibes based. I'm like, I'm in another working group on open source AI. And it's like, there's so much of this narrative that is just open versus closed. Open means harmful, closed means safe. And it's just like, mm-hmm. at least having access to, more open models can make it easier for people to make the arguments about the benefits of openness. If you don't have the thing, it's really hard to make the argument about benefits of something without actually having it. It's 
pretty easy to spin tales of risk with imaginary things but i think that like people don't really believe you when you tell them this thing that i don't have is going to give you x benefit i don't know maybe that's something that's deep about human psychology but like i don't see the same storytelling power of benefits without building the beginnings of them at least maybe not in a democratic capitalist society I think so. Yeah, there's there's human psychology there. There's institutional culture there. And yeah, I think also you're right. There's sovereignty that is also baked in there. For sure. Yeah. Should we talk about waifus? <laughs> That's what I was going to say. Yeah, uh, we're ready to transition. Waifus to and waifus. husbandos. We're not only waifus. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. Okay. I, nice. I, I just didn't know it was called Husbandos, but I learned that. I didn't, I didn't the, the Hugging Face page taught me that. <laughs> Essentially, this is very alchemical and kind of a core theme. I'll start by explaining the motivation for the blog post, and you'll probably have some reactions, and I hear you have a story. But the whole idea is called model merging. So people are taking, like, Llama 2 chat and Mistral yeah. chat, and what you do is, like, fancy ways of averaging the weights or, like, taking scissors to the model and pasting them together and it, somehow you like end up with models that are a little bit better i'll spare the technical details the blog post i had goes into these which is like what is the history of this from an optimization perspective but the kind of politics of it is interesting because it's a way for people to experiment with models that doesn't take gpus because all you're doing is a big for loop you iterate over all the parameters and you do these basic math operations like you don't need a gpu to do that Random people with the computer are going to just do that. Like a billion operations is not too ridiculous for a computer. It's like when you have to repeat them, that's hard. So people can just try this stuff. And it kind of proliferated with stable diffusion and people merging like different anime styles together to get their like perfect style. And there's obviously potential dark sides to this, which is like if you have a stable diffusion that only generates images that look like Taylor Swift, who's in the news, and then you merge the Taylor Swift model with a porn model, like that's really bad and it's really hard to police that. But I think we have to go into this knowing that people are trying to do these things on the internet. I think I had a touch with 4chan at Hugging Face for not fun reasons. There's so much of ML model distribution happens on that type of forum now, 4chan mm -hmm. or whatever. There are honestly so many threads to draw on. Like the technical thread of merging and how alchemical it is and like the fact that some of the theory is just being discovered after the open source people showed that you could do it. So there's like very specific things. Like it's more intuitive if you have two models of the same architecture that merging would be possible. But people have now started taking two models of totally different architectures and splicing the blocks together, which is a very different thing in the optimization landscape. And the fact that this works at all it's going to be around like people love it <laughs> vibes are really good even though very odd and it's just like I, accepting these things is not easy and figuring out the right way to engage with them i don't really know how to do i think a lot of the people that read what i do are probably people that do this like there's a lot of people that probably follow what i do to learn about new models being released so that they can hack around with them and i think people should be able to play with machine learning models, but we also need systems for monitoring. Like I hope I didn't tell Hugging Face this, but I think if a model is explicitly labeled as a porn model, like you should probably need age verification in the US. Like obviously that's something that's easy to get around, <laughs> but like there are thing there are existing systems that are pretty lightweight that I think should apply. 
and should be extended. But the question is, it should you extend it further in the context of creating these things? Like, should you need a credentialing to create potentially talk like weird content on the internet rather than consume it when you have kind of these superpower tools of AI? I like well, I don't that also think- went that kind of thing also went viral with this testimony that Zuckerberg and other CEOs gave. Oh to, my god, what the heck was this? Yeah. Well, there was this. There was. <laughs> I this, saw the I photo. Mean, there, there were several moments where the one I'm thinking of in particular, because I actually didn't follow it back super closely. I saw a few videos of Ted Cruz, I believe, holding up a screenshot of, you know, some kind of page saying like, oh, you're about to, there, there's like age inappropriate content on the other side of this window. And the two buttons below, one was highlighted being like, something like don't show me or take me back <laughs> and then just another just another one right below that and i think the font was just as large was like proceed anyway and ted cruz to zuckerberg was like like what the hell were you thinking <laughs> and zuckerberg says something like he's like okay okay senator like these people have so much training and i get it i see where you're i see where you're going <laughs> yeah the training here is to With try this. to get them to not finish by admitting vague fault <laughs> What he, he said something very odd in response, which was something like, the science on this type of situation shows you that if you're trying to nudge people into not navigating forward, it's better to give them the option to choose that rather than just forbidding it, because then they'll just search the internet for it anyway. And Cruz was like, just giving him this kind of withering look <laughs> in response. There's this weird kind the, of dissociation. The discussions for AI are going to be so wor- so much worse. Yeah. It's going to be like, you're telling me you had a chatbot that let my kid generate seagull porn <laughs> and like talk to it. And they now literally have no friends. Like, it's just going to be so much more dystopian. Like, it's... It's going to, yeah, I I think there's just an interesting uncanny parallel there where this kind of already very hot button public grilling that happened really, that's really just a UX like question. That's just a sort of interface. Like, why did you, why did you allow people that choice structured in that kind of a way? This is is nowhere near. Not related to meta as a business. Like meta's core functionality is around giving access to information to more people distributing information and serving ads those are probably the things that meta does more than anything else and are really worthy to, to ask to ask them yeah yeah so waifus do you have a story where do you have comment i do have a story i can tell the story it's a it's about chai right it is <laughs> This oh, is about, about Stuart and Chai a lot. Let's hope well, okay. Listen. This story is not. A, so I'm going to be clear. This story is specifically not about Stuart Russell. He yes. is not implicated in this. He was not present. So I will share this, though. So at least at the time I was there. So this is picking up on the last episode, I guess, a little bit. So I was at the Center for Human Compatible AI more or less full time. I was a full fledged member from. January 2017, more or less until I graduated, which was August 2021, which is a long time. And a lot happened in AI in that time. And 
one kind of recurring theme of those conversations, which you know a lot of China, which China concerned itself with, was of course AI safety, AI value alignment, AI alignment, predicting takeoff scenarios for AGI. <laughs> you know all that. It's just a white boot takeoff scenario. All that jazz. Yes. Okay, I'm getting okay, to that's that. That's what I thought. So, so, <laughs> so. Along those, there were a few different, those different lines of conversation I just named. One recurring theme about whether to improve your predictions about takeoff or something else. There was a website called, I believe that I actually checked in advance. So this is still live. I believe it's called This Waifu Does Not Exist. Oh, hell yeah. That's a classic format. Nate's looking it up right now. It's, yeah. it's, it's it Google knows. This is normal stuff. I don't like you don't even need to like this is just the most normal thing ever. So I think what was interesting though was the fact that this website in particular and specific outputs from this website were repeatedly referenced whenever somebody was giving what others consider to be too hot of a take about about takeoff, either because it wasn't sufficient to explain the quality of wait the, of, the, the take wasn't sufficient to explain yeah okay. yeah there, there, well that something like that you know they were looking for data to corroborate some intuition about takeoff and this website's outputs were referenced as a way to provide a kind of heat check on some of those some of those specific predictions yeah there was like a a six-month window of time when this was especially common. I won't name names. This website's about... pretty well made. Mm-hmm. It, like, like, I have, like, this cool infinite scroll thing. So as you scroll, it generates new waifus for you and, like, has nice passive movement in the background. It's pretty good for a doesnotexist.com website. It hasn't changed much in the interim. I think that actually the layout is the same. So, you know, kudos to whoever designed it, I guess, for having that thing work well. So now, now that I've told that little anecdote, I kind of feel honor-bound to share. You know, there's this interesting, there's a very good paper that I remember reading in grad school, definitely not in Chai, which was about the political economy of automation and over like centuries of time. So this starts in like the 18th century. And it talks about things like the, the Mechanical Turk, not the Amazon one, but like but the, actual the, original, one. <laughs> the original one, right? So for those who don't know, just briefly, there was this device that traveled the kind of courts, royal courts of Europe in the 18th century predominantly that looked kind of like, well, a, a, a Turkish man, I believe, wearing a turban or something like that, that was really good at playing chess. So it was like an automaton and it could move the pieces. It had arms. Like it was like, it looked like a person. And there was a table, of, a chess table in front of it. And you could play chess with it. It later, of course, was revealed that inside of that table was like a very small, probably malnourished, for lack of a better word, chess jockey. You know how like horse jockeys are like small. What if it was so a person with actual dwarfism? It was definitely somebody who has seen better days. <laughs> And somebody who is at the extreme end of, yeah, size, physical size, but who also was apparently pretty good at chess because, I mean, the, the person had to be good enough to, that it was interesting to play against it. Anyway, that thing was common. And 
Anyway, this paper I'm referring to, which I'll have to look up the name of it, we can share it with listeners if they're curious, was actually about the way in which new periods of automation of any kind of, especially like automata, things that are meant to mimic the physicality of people, whether a literal robot or just something that you know, has actuators or pseudo limbs that approximate human locomotion. There is a very deep relationship between when new versions of that happen and gender. And in particular, the kind of gender inequality where women or figures of women are often some of the first things to be automated. And they're often automated in ways that are like hypersexualized. So this is one of the first things I thought of when this whole kind of model edition waifu affinity happened is that I was like, I was like, what's that meme from? Is it GTA San Andreas where the guy's like, oh shit, here we go again. It's like <laughs> it was like always, a, yeah, like the gun to the head. <laughs> Something the like to, that. Like the gun to the head earth meme where it's like, it's just about marginalizing women, always has been. That's the two, astro- the two astronauts, the ones yeah. looking at the earth. Wait, yeah, and that's, that's right. What it's always been about, always has been. Yes, oh. I mean, yes. There's something about that. So I think it's beyond the fact that it is, yes, absurd and kind of ridiculous and funny that, you know, it's it's waifus is sort of considered. I mean, as you said, even Hugging Face has this kind of repository. Well, Hugging Face is uh, everything. Hugging Face is just a platform in pretty strict moderation. Like they tried really hard. Like they have really engaged people on the ethics side of things to thread the line as a platform of what yeah. should and should not be allowed. Like there's some very hard discussions there. Like I was there when the GPT 4chan thing happened where someone trained a model only on 4chan text and it was awful. And like, right. If you're trying to make a platform where you're going to have the power to help make value line decisions, you can't just bash everything because then you are no longer going to be the place where you're making careful value judgments. Somebody will then just make a place where you, you, where everything goes and people will use that. And that enables the proliferation of all bad stuff. There's no line to be drawn. So like all my comments on hugging phase here is like, definitely like they're doing a very hard thing. And I've been on the ground with them trying to make these decisions and they don't, they might not see everything cause it's a small team, but they try very hard to do this stuff. Right. I think the point here is not to cast aspersions or it's not about like towards... it's about like what it means that there are a lot of people not in the like Twitter blog mainstream media outlet major tech company sphere that are driving some core trends to ML research and adoption like they have a lot of influence there's this like reddit local llama community it's a pretty go-to place for understanding models you can run on your laptop. Those the over intersection of the waifu research department in quotes and our local llama is probably a reasonably sized one, but like it's much harder to monitor there. And I'm willing to guess that a lot of the like there's a reason that the AI safety orgs and people talk about this is because they probably don't feel like they can control it. I think there's like a bit of a control thing here where they worry about it because they don't have levers to maneuver and to, to affect it. Right. Yes. It's a, and that's a kind of, I mean, a lot of the, it seems to me, it has seemed to me for some time 
you know, observing events like this repeatedly happen. It's funny, actually, now that I mentioned that, that I'm having a kind of out-of-body experience right now because my this is going to segue randomly into a show recommendation for our listeners. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm going to bring up another show here, which is everyone, all of our fans, should listeners to The Retort should, should watch True Detective oh, it's on great. HBO. True it's Detective a great is show. so good. It's, it's, it's amazing. So there's a new season right now. Oh, is it hold uh, up as well? I only watched the older ones. Right. So it's, it's actually, I think now it's like the, it's been on for a decade. This yeah. is the 10th anniversary. So season one, which was iconic and kind of really season was kind one of hitting better. Season one was like the, the pinnacle of what's now known as the reconnaissance where Matthew McConaughey was like reestablishing himself as like a very serious actor who's very entertaining. And he's anyway, an entertaining guy. I, I, enjoy, a, I enjoy just observing him. I've got a friend. I mean, well, you know him. My my best man at my wedding is technically co-professors with him at UT Austin. Oh, he has a fact. professorship? Yeah. That's so funny. <laughs> he teaches a class on film and, you know, well, because he almost ran for governor. You know, yeah. there was a whole, whole moment there. Anyway, season one was iconic. I'm watching, my wife never saw it. I'm watching it with her now. We're watching it with her now. It is amazing. Of course, one of the memes from that show is that time is a flat circle. So these moments... <laughs> that you're experiencing and that you have experienced in your life are still happening and will happen again over and over. And I'm over. rereading the three body problem. And that sounds like a sentence out of the three body problem. Like, That's time fine. is a flat circle. <laughs> time is a flat circle. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I, 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 it came to mind for me just right now, partly just because of the kind of, you know, the true detective has this like, relationship between the two detectives in that case would be McConaughey and Harrelson there's of course two of us discussing these issues now and what we're discussing is like these recurrent issues of bias and like racism and sexism in these models that seems to happen every like so many months over and over and, and over and again this came up in a working group that I was in today which is like a lot of the reason to do openness is because it's the only way to include include these conversations and how things are built more than like the safety and not, not safe argument there are people that are into openness legitimately as valid acts towards inclusion and like those things like that's not my focus but if i can give that more light of air like it seems like a, a generally quote-unquote good thing to do it's like i'm not an expert there but it seems right the reason openness matters here what i was building towards was the fact that what's at stake here is not just model bias or even primarily model bias it's just the structural bias of the ecosystem in which these systems are being built and developed and deployed openness matters because it is an important critical intervention on the ecosystem itself rather than just trying to remove some kind of technical notion of bias from these models to make it more representative of what remains a fundamentally sexist dynamic <laughs> that's not necessarily better. That's the this waifu does not exist paradigm. Those are highly accurate waifus <laughs> uh, by the standards of your average AI safety researcher. That's the reason they used it as a kind of informal seminar benchmark for progress towards AGI. But it is not in any way a commitment to the kind of inclusion or the kind of equity that you would take to be the basis for an ecosystem for building this stuff that is remotely on parity between genders or otherwise. Yeah. Related to 
waifus and open versus closed. Is there a chat in here? I was going to send you a link. I don't know if I can. There's participants. I'll send it to you on, on Slack, but essentially set the backstory while this was going on. There, we all know Mistral, one of the people that are popular in the open land. I sent you this link on Slack. They have this model Mistral Medium that has been teased for a bit. That's like a big Jeep OpenAI competitor. And it turns out that the model got leaked by a customer and one of the co-founders confirmed it in a classic French classy way. They're like, yeah, this is an overly eager customer. It was an early model. It's not that good. We got better stuff coming. Sorry. And, but like this happened to like, they also opened what I sent you was the discussion hugging face where if you look at the files changed, you click under, like, right under might consider attribution. The should way that, <laughs> You should, it's funny. The way that the co-founder of Mistral reacted, <laughs> like, okay, this other part is, they, like, were just adding the Mistral logo to the readme. But the other part, the funny thing is, the first comment on this thread that is blown up is literally, <laughs> oh, wait, boo. <laughs> it's like... Yeah, what did the Supreme Court say about porn? I know it when I see it. Yeah. This is definitely a waifu by any stretch of the imagination. It's like, this is just so all deeply intertwined. Like, this is so deep in the weeds of, like, open versus closed discourse, but a major event, because this is, like, the first time where a the weights of an ML model have been un, unintentionally leaked. It's, like, it's a milestone. Like, it, this model actually leaked. But it's not, it's, like, not the most useful models. It's not a huge deal. But like a bottle leaked, and then the first comment in the start is like, "It's just like you can't get away from this stuff. You shouldn't the, ignore it. You should try to accommodate it." The rest of the memes farther down the page are also like, "Oh, here's another. There's another waifu farther down." That makes sense. <laughs> oh, interestingly, it looks while this is subjective, it looks to me like the same waifu generated anew for Pokemon. <laughs> No, oh, further down. It looks like she's. It looks like she's doing karaoke in this one. <laughs> There's but so I think, many. I think she's this is wearing overwhelming. The same, wearing the same outfit. Oh, this is funny. Yeah, we'll include the link to this. It's... Yeah, we'll include the link. That's okay. I will. I will look away. It's kind of like the. It's kind of like the Palantir, not the company, but the actual object from Lord of the Rings. It's hard to once you really get lost in it. It's hard to look away. It's also like whenever there is a crack that creates a peephole from the put together like big company GPU researcher think they're the hot shit side of the internet building AGI and there's a crack and and some of the, the like other side waifu energy seeps through it blasts through there's like 50 comments tons of likes like tons of anime photos it's just like every single time they're there in force immediately and there's just so much of that going on it's part of the alchemy you you have the right kind of like focal point for attention and people will just congregate yeah yeah do we have any more construct or substantive content that's my final, uh, final thing no I don't think so we can go to the final thing so yeah. I had a thought I wanted to name our listeners the tortoises 
I'm a sometimes forker, so I sometimes listen to Hard Fork, the podcast, and I thought that our audience deserved a name. I thought that tortoises was a starting point. The tortors is also a potential thing, which would be short for tortoises, as long as I can get the check off from Tom. So if you're a loyal torter, please reach out with your questions and your stable diffusion fine tunes, and we'll help promote your models on hugging phase and let us know what you think. So that's all that I've got yeah. for this week. Or we're, we're open to names. We're open to, <laughs> we have tortoises right now, if people could think of something better. I just had a free association. This is a bit of a deep cut. I don't know if people know the movie The Warriors that came out in like 1979, which is about a dystopian Manhattan, where there's all these different gangs that each inhabit like a somewhat different two by two block grid of New York. And there's gonna be a truce amongst the gangs at the start of the movie, but the person who organized the truce is assassinated under mysterious circumstances. And the warriors who represent Coney Island have to quote, bop their way back all night from the Bronx because the truce is over. So they have to fight. I mean, those of you who know New York, Bronx is on the opposite end from Coney Island. So they gotta bop their way back. Anyway, all the different gangs have these different names. There's the Warriors, there's the Baseball Furies, there's the, there's the, the Rifts, I think it is. Gramercy Rifts, that's right. So I could imagine the Tortoises being like one of those gangs. <laughs> but that would be my vision of like, whatever the name of our gang is, is, is one of these places. And, can, you and be that, a tor- and kind of can you be a Torter and a Forker? Like if there's hard fork fans out there, do they have to declare their loyalty? I think there's a sense in that movie that you can only belong you know, to one of these gangs. Oh, yeah. So you get we'll get back hard. to people if they can belong to multiple <laughs> gangs or not. But if you do only belong to one, please let us know. You should definitely belong to this one. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I think that's Sounds all good. we've got. That's all we're 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 gonna have more next week. <laughs> we're not really worried about that. Yeah. All right. Bye for now, everybody. Bye for now. <laughs>